Welcome to the Sports and Torts podcast and its presentation of college football's last call. This podcast is powered by the J. Stein Law Firm, a personal injury law firm in Atlanta, Georgia. And now, the boys bring you their thoughts on this week in college football. Yo, 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 what up? Welcome to a little something new we're going to try out this fall. Um, pilot episode of what we're going to call College Football's Last Call. Goal is try to get together once a week, discuss the world of college football with my boys, uh, Sports and Torts podcast veterans, Jason Gans, Lawrence Kessler. Uh, I'm sure we'll have some other friends stop by throughout the the, the fall as well. And um we don't really know what we're doing, um, but I guess we can just make it up as we go. Try to have some fun with it. Boys, what do you think? Hey, Josh. Hey, uh, good to see you again, guys. Um, excited to see where this goes. This will be fun. What a week one it was, huh? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Um, we talk about this stuff anyway, all week long, right? So might as well hit record and, and let Sports and Torts have a little uh, little offshoot with uh, – with the last call, right? The, the dirty stepbrother. The dirty stepbrother. <laughs> so, what, look, I mean, the, the, the slate is clean. Um, what do you guys want to talk about? What y'all think? Well, I think uh, I think the dogs exceeded everybody's expectations. You've had that Facebook post on Saturday, Josh, to get people to predict the score. Uh, and usually there's going to be one person that throws out the, you know, 50 to nothing, 50-burger uh, to nothing game, uh, you know, trying to, you know, do their best uh, De Bears impersonation. Uh, but this was as big of an ass kicking as I've seen in a long time for two, because you know, almost top ten teams. For sure, no one could even predict the score high enough. The winning score was forty-five to thirteen, I think, um, which is crazy that that wasn't even enough. Well, logic just tells you that forty-nine to three is an outlier; it's an anomaly. Uh, but is it? I don't know. Uh, you know, as, as we talked about last week. The identity of this dogs team is is a high powered, high octane offense that we haven't seen in you know probably the last year that we had a comparable offense was probably 2013 with Aaron Murray, uh, his senior year when when we were slinging it all over the field. But but this is total 180 from Kirby's identity and props to him. Props for props for adjusting his offense around his personnel rather than his making his personnel play to his offense. It almost reminded me of when Nick Saban decided to kind of change his MO and start to just throw it around and move fast and say, I'm going to come up with the times. That's what I felt I was watching on Saturday. So, so you're saying Stetson Bennett is the next Tua Tungavailoa, huh? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, in, in the college game, what more could you want from a quarterback? It, it probably get. I mean, he, he basically pitched a perfect game. He had three incomplete passes in the first half, two were throwaways, and I believe the third was yeah, a It was a massive hold on Ladd McConkey, and they should have thrown the flag. But, you know, I saw something today, this afternoon, as I was uh, just, just kind of messing around, and it was the director of pro personnel from the Senior Bowl saying Stetson Bennett is a legitimate NFL prospect, right? He's Hey, uh, don't don't say that out loud, man. You're going to give some people a heart attack. Pump, pump the brakes, dude. Pump the brakes. Let's just enjoy him as a 20 set, 20, 25 year old college quarterback. Hey, <laughs> Van, let's just enjoy him as Van Wilder. Okay. He put out a tweet and he showed the play 
It was a massively clean pocket where Stead hung in there for probably five or six seconds. Ended up taking a massive hit, and I'm pretty sure it was a comebacker to uh, A.D. Mitchell. And it was like a 27-yard rope that he threw. Yep. And Justin Flo hit him uh, after, yeah, hit him late, got the, the personal right. foul. That was an NFL throw. And that's what this guy was saying. He's like, enough with the uh, feel-good story, the you know old walk on the mailman, this and that. This guy can play. And it sure looked like it on Saturday. He was having fun. Uh, I tell you, I tell you, they, they were hyping up those, uh, the Oregon inside linebackers, Flo and Sewell, saying they were the best duo. And that Georgia offense, Stetson Bennett picked them apart. We have, I mean, as you mentioned, Gans, we got so many weapons, whether it's Kenny McIntosh, uh, Bowers, uh, Darnell Washington, um, Lad McConkey, A.D. Mitchell, Kyrus Jackson, Dejon Edwards got in the mix. Kendall Milton had two touchdowns. I mean, there's no, I mean, the bench doesn't end. We talked about it last week on Sports and Torts, but Lad, we joked around about Lad McConkey. That guy's a stud, man. I mean, he's legit. He may score 20 touchdowns. He's going to have three touchdowns easily. Yeah. Um, and, and he's always open, runs, you know, run, you know, crisp routes and just finds a way to get in the end zone. It's awesome. The biggest problem to have is feeding everybody. That's going to be, you know, that's. That. Yeah. But you know what? You, you say that, but look at the touchdown celebrations and how much these guys were supporting each other. I mean, they were having a ball. And the other thing that goes unnoticed is the, the dirty things that these guys do. Um, the blocking, the blocking from the wide receivers and tight ends downfield on that end around on the first touchdown, Brock Bowers just clean house on, uh, I believe it's Kenny McIntosh's touchdown from the two yard line. Uh, Marcus Rosamy, Jack Saint and Brock Bowers just sealed the end. Like there, I mean, you can tell Kirby's got these guys bought in and, into the team in. effort. I don't think there, I don't think there's like a selfish guy on the team. That guy's playing and catching footballs for Alabama now. Yeah, you, you mentioned feeding everybody. I always like to look at the box score and just kind of see who caught what and carries. And I mean, I'm sure y'all seen this too. But our leading rusher in terms of carries, you know what the number was? I do. Eight of fifty for Kendall Milton. Eight. Yeah. Eight carries, and the next one was like five. Scored- When's the last yeah. time a, you know- a Georgia team? Yeah had that sort of ball distribution. Well, part of it was the game plan, right? Um, they uh, they wanted to stay away from from uh, Justin Flo and Noel Sewell, right? So you got two massive NFL linebackers that are going to jam the A and B gaps, right? So you're going to want to kick it outside. So a little of that was game plan. Um, but, yeah, I agree. I know what you're saying. I agree with what you're saying. And it's more testament to Todd Munkin playing to his strengths, evolving the offense, and not just saying, hey, you know what? We're Georgia identities to run it up your ass. You know, we're going to change this up because we've got the playmakers and we know how to beat you. But what it seemed to me is they were basically getting the carries in space outside, right? right? Like mm-hmm. McIntosh, how many catches did he uh, have that were almost like? I think he had nine for what one fifteen right, in a touchdown. Right. And, and so those are replacing the traditional you know handoff at the middles that we'd see, but still getting the ball in their hands. Yeah, some of those some of those receptions that Kenny Mack had. And by the way, I mean we talked about this again to go back and toot our own horn here a bit. I think we all predicted Kenny McIntosh to have this sort of season. As I think I said last time he's James Cook, but he's you know, three inches taller and 20 pounds heavier. A lot of the swing passes they threw to him are effectively runs, right? But you get them out in space already, so they're two, three yards. He had, I think, Larry said, I think he had 115 yards. I saw a stat, it was like 105 yards after catch. The, the other thing, you said he looked, he reminds you of James Cook, but bigger. He had a move on one, I don't know if it was a, if it was a run out wide or one of those swing passes, but he did one of those like dead leg runs that was very reminiscent of DeAndre Swift, where he just faked the dude out of his shoes 
faked right, cut left, and just burst downfield. Yeah. Well, Gans, let me ask you this. You were the only one of the three of us that went to the game. Lawrence was at a soccer tournament in Florida. I was at a football game with Graham. So, I mean, on TV, loud as I can ever hear it on TV, the distribution of Georgia fans was was, was crazy. But, yeah. I mean, walk us through kind of the environment, the tailgate going in and, and how the game went. Sure. So I was fortunate enough to find uh, my miracle. Um, for those keeping track at home, it, they were acceptable seats. I ended up pretty lucky. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to get down there too early. I did have a, a few friends that had nice tailgates, but because of child uh, responsibilities, we walked in about three. Um, it was about 85% dogs. There's probably 10,000 duck fans, which, you know, pretty good showing. Um, they're all, we talked to a few real good sports, but to your point, Josh, I've never heard the bends like that. It was a serious home field advantage. I think we had three false starts on the ducks in significant situations, right? Where we set them back five yards. And that was purely based off the crowd noise. It was awesome, man. It was just an awesome environment. Did you have to uh, mule any uh, any bourbon in your belt? I loops? did it. They, uh, they, they were selling beer. The beer was flowing like uh, the salmons of Capistrano. Um, and uh, <laughs> so, so that was great. They did run out of Miller Lite right away. So I had to audible Bud Light, which was tough. Uh, but I, I did end up in the club club level where uh, they had a nice liquor bar, so so that was a nice upgrade. Yeah, Mercedes Benz does a good job at the club level with the food and booze distribution. Um, sure. I'm just glad you didn't have to get asked to leave because you had a, a six pack of uh, Jim Beam airplane bottle stuff. Not this pants. time. I'm getting older and wiser. <laughs> were, were the Oregon fans just kind of happy to be in Atlanta and seeing the venue and, and the atmosphere? Or are they like, holy shit, we just got our asses blown yeah, out? Yeah, we talked to a bunch of them. And, and the ones I talked to had all really traveled across the country. And I, look, I think they had traveled across the country. What's that? They did. They came. I mean, they, these are people that were coming for all the way from. Oregon. Yeah, you know what? What they said, and it makes sense. Is like it's a direct flight if you're coming from Portland or you know, I guess Eugene, you got to connect. But you're flying right to Atlanta. It's 15 minutes away. Atlanta is a convention city. You know, people. We don't go down to downtown Atlanta per se very often because it is pretty touristy. But supposedly it's pretty fun to spend a weekend there, right? And uh, so these guys that I talked to in particular were having a blast. Um, I think their expectations were pretty low with a new coach and, and a new quarterback who I think we should actually stop for a second and, and, and thank the good Lord for uh, Bo Nix because what a what a great he's been. I, I'm sad to see him go. Hopefully it takes a sixth year somewhere. We play him in an opener next year because he's a Jordan. He, join, he joins the elite status of Reggie Ball into the UGA uh, ring of yeah. circle. I knew. Um, and I think, I think was it Sean said he should be renamed as Bo Picks. Which I'm pretty sure he plagiarized from the dog vent, but we'll take it from there. What 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 a, what a great list! Bo Nix and Reggie Ball, zero and four against Georgia. In disastrous fashions, too. I mean, uh, I'm gonna miss Bo Nix. You know, in fact, now that Stett might have a future NFL career, there might be an insurance spot for Bo Nix in the city of Atlanta. That guy could go sling some insurance <laughs> to Georgia fans, and he's gonna make a hell. Of my, my Bo Nix probably has more eligibility, right? They just hand these years out like, you know, well, as candy. Yeah, that, I, I think I texted y'all the other day. Stetson Bennett's going to be 25 in October. That's not I can't believe When you said that, I couldn't believe it. I, sl- I slightly overstated it last week on the podcast on Sports and Torts. I said he was like 72. Uh, but he is, in fact, Van Wilder. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's 25. So, so Larry. <laughs> you should start calling him Dr. Bennett. So, Larry, the Eugene Free Press or their version of – of, you know, their newspaper. What are they saying about Dan Landing right now? Uh, gosh, you know, that's a really good question. I think that I think that they are questioning that hire right now. Uh, it was not a good debut for, for Coach Landing, unfortunately. I think, 
you know, us as Georgia fans, I think we're all pulling for him. He did a great job during his time in Athens. Seems to be a good guy, good family, great recruiter. But if I'm an Oregon fan, um, I'm curious, did I just not have the guys prepared? But also knowing, like, when you listen to the broadcast on TV, I think Oregon has something like 22 transfers. Yeah. So I think you got to be – if you're an Oregon, Oregon free press, you got to be patient. He's got to build something there. Uh, Cristobal, while he was a good recruiter and had a good foundation, a lot of those folks left. Um, and Dan Lanning came in. He had to basically put a team together through free agency. So I think you got to be patient with him. But, man, that was not a, a good debut for the, for our man, Dan Lanning. Tough to get out of the gate the defending champion in Atlanta, which is effectively a home game, you know, 2,500 miles away. So I, I imagine they give him a pass. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, you just yeah. looked down that roster and – I mean, it just was, it was not, it was not a contest. Um, you know, what they say, the I think more importantly, everybody in the country, I think everybody in the country is scared of Georgia right now. Like we looked freaking Look at our good. Last three. That was my next question is talk about. And, and we made a lot of mistakes on defense too. Um, like we didn't even start talking about the defense. I mean, obviously they only gave up three points, but they gave up some big plays, but they stopped when they stopped Oregon when needed, they created a few turnovers um, we had zero sacks. I don't know if kind of lack of pressure was part of the game plan to keep Bo Nix contained, but our team looks really, really scary to the rest of the country. We gave up zero. We gave What's up that? zero sacks. There was not one sack in the game. Offensive line studs. As you as you look down the line of the schedule, I know it's impossible to kind of see how things play out, but I mean, the next eleven games, where do, where do you see the potential for the Georgia team that we just saw on Saturday slipping up? Man, you, I know the last week you talked about South Carolina was scaring you and all this other crap, but as we watched them play, I mean, good God, it looks like twelve and zero headed to Atlanta. I mean, two of us called twelve and zero. There's one uh, Doomsday on here. I won't point his name. Out. Nice beer. I don't know, guys. You know, we have Samford this weekend, and that's who I'm focused on. Um, let's get past them, and then we can start talking about the uh, the the uh, what commander what was the commander the cop yeah. commander. In well, Columbia. speaking to Mr. Papa Grande Doomsday, or you know, Ohio State was his big sexy pick. Did any of y'all get a chance to watch their game versus Notre Dame? I did. So I was posted up at the Western Sarasota Bar. I had Ohio State Notre Dame on one TV, and I had the Silly Gators on the other TV with a Florida obnoxious Florida fan chirping in my ear. Um, needless to say, I was disappointed in the ending of both games. Um, Ohio State's offense uh, wasn't all that it was cracked up to be. Um, they gave up 10 points, which for Ohio State, I think is like, I mean, probably the best they've done in many, many years. Uh, so the question I pose to my Ohio State friends is, does Ohio State actually have a defense or does Notre Dame stink? Probably and I'm both. trending towards the last. I'm trending towards the Notre latter. Dame is, is, you know, much like Oregon, right? They, they got left high and dry by their coach, right? They're, you know, I don't honestly don't know a ton about Notre Dame, but you know, it's tough. Anytime you're, I know it was a coach within the staff that, that they did promote, but tough whenever you've got a new coach. So uh, fun fact though, uh, in terms of our upcoming game this weekend, Samford is coached by Chris Hatcher, right? You guys remember Chris Hatcher? Mm-hmm. He was I at do. Kentucky. Can you name two coaches that were on uh, Chris Hatcher's coaching staff? Kirby Smart and That's Will right. Muschamp. That's right. At Valdosta State. At Valdosta State, the Blazers. Kirby and Will Muschamp worked for Chris Hatcher. So two weeks in a row, there's some familiarity with, uh, with you know, the opposing coach. Uh, and then, of course, the third week, we go up against Agent Beamer, right? So uh, three weeks in a row, we're going up against Kirby's got really close, you know, relations with with uh, the coaches this first three weeks. Did, did y'all see that video? I know you did um, a couple weeks ago of Muschamp just losing his mind on that chalkboard. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Dude. like – 
how's that guy's ticker still beating? They don't call him Coach Boom for nothing. He is intense. He, he needs to stay at the defensive coordinator position. Like he doesn't need to be running a program, but he's a great defensive yeah. coordinator. He's, he's, he's a great DC, and thank God we have. And him. He's a great asset. Like look at Kirby's coaching staff, and I know we're going a little off topic here, but you obviously have Kirby, right? You've got uh, Muschamp, right? You've got Mike Bobo um, as an analyst. You've got what's his name? Is it Buster Faulkner, who's another analyst that we have, who's I believe a head coach. Um, Munkin. Munkin. Brian McClendon's been an interim head coach twice. So you, yep. Heinz Ward. Interim, yeah, interim Brian. Still, remember, they were trying to get hired. I mean, so you've got a lot of head coaching experience there. Well, he said, Kirby said in the post-game press conference, this is like, this is his best. Yeah, I couldn't tell if he was throwing shade at landing there or, uh, or which I would have uh, he also threw a flyer out there. You know, he's always recruiting, right? Kirby sales pitch. He said, how could you watch a game like this and not want to come be right, part of this right. offense? Um, so, you know, Kirby's still selling. He's selling the word. Uh, so, Larry, you mentioned the Gators, too, versus Utah. They make a statement, AR-15. Um, so, I think that Utah totally choked that game away. Um, I think, you know, listen, I think Florida's going to get a lot of undue hype after that. Anthony Richardson, he's good. I don't think there's much around him. Uh, Utah should have won that game by two touchdowns. They blew that game. That pass at the end of the game was just a terrible decision by their quarterback. Threw it a double coverage. We're actually the only person that could have caught it was a Florida Gator when they could have just like played for the field goal, right? They were down three. Um, there was no need to do that. Utah blew that game. I'm not impressed by Florida. I still think we probably beat them by 17 to 20. It would be interesting. They play Kentucky this week, and and they the Gators are actually – four-and-a-half-point favorite against Kentucky, which everyone loves Kentucky right now, too. So I'll be interested to see what, what comes of that game this weekend. Yeah, when we were texting during the, the Kentucky um, – excuse me, the, the Florida-Utah game, I know all y'all were rooting for Utah, which it's always fun to, to see Florida lose, but I thought it was better to knock Utah out of there, get, I, get them a loss, don't let them backdoor in as, you know, the number four team if if we need some help at the end. So totally. what do we care for? Let them, let them pump them up a little bit. Yeah, I mean the SEC effectively SEC effectively ruined the Pac-12's chances at the playoffs outside of USC yeah. uh, by by ten o'clock on Saturday night. It's crazy. Yeah, packed in. But, and we um, in Notre Dame, but I'm kind of happy to see Notre Dame take an L already because sometimes they'll sneak through that season and then you end up with them in and they they lose by by forty in, in a playoff game and no one's happy. Totally, same thing. I mean Ohio State they could have lost and same thing they had snuck in and if they won the big. You know, Big Ten, it would come down to Michigan probably again, and they're still getting in. So I don't think it really matters. And then LSU, FSU, y'all catch the end of that game? Yeah, I, <laughs> I saw the game. I was watching it with my daughter uh, Sunday night. LSU comes down. They score. I said, all right, we're going overtime. I went to get another beer. Walked down the hall, grabbed the beer, came back. The game was over. And I said, what the hell happened? And, and my daughter tried to explain it to me, and I just figured she didn't know what she was talking about. And then, sure enough. I'll tell you what, though. We, we always used to bang on whether it was Mark Richt or Kirby for terrible coaching decisions and mismanaging games and, and abusing timeouts. The end of that game was a colossal oh, cluster yeah. from, from the fumbled punt. Yeah, the fumbled punt to the toss sweep that FSU fumbled that it got, gave the ball back to LSU for a 99-yard drive to then the ball being ruled, the runner being ruled down at the one, so they had to start the clock on the whistle with one second left, but Florida State called a timeout right. to give them a free play, and then and then the missed extra point. I mean, 
Brian Kelly, I don't now he now there's Dan Laney's going to get a little bit of grace. Brian Kelly is going to be his he's going to be uh, feet to the fire real quick in Baton Rouge. Yeah, they don't have a long uh, uh, tolerance for incompetence. No, not at all. And then we finished the weekend off Clemson, Georgia Tech, which I watched a good amount of that last night. Um, you know, Clemson, we talked about last week getting into our top four. I guess because of proselytization, but I was not impressed by them either. No, but you know what? The rest of the ACC looked like garbage too. And, you know, you look at the schedule and it's, it's who are they going to lose to, right? NC State, they look like crap. Uh, UNC is terrible. Uh, like, who's going to beat them? Wake Forest? I don't know. I didn't say anything that they did. Yeah, Pitt, Pitt probably should have lost to West Virginia if that ball didn't slip through that receiver's hands on the Right, but what's going to be fun, though, watching up in, in, in Clemson is is they got a little quarterback, quarterback controversy on their hands already. DJU is hot garbage, and they got that kid, Cade Plabinick or whatever, coming behind him who they all like. So that's going to be fun to see that play out. They're not as good as they've been, Clemson. I agree. Well, the, the Clemson fans who I spoke to today are, are very um, bearish. Isn't that the right word, yeah. Jason? Yeah. Not not uh, not bullish about it. They, they see three losses somewhere on the board. They're just like, this is not, not going to end. I understand. What, so they would know better than we would. But what, I get what they're saying, and, and I, I can see that too. But – who are going to be the three losses? Maybe Notre Dame. They got to go play at Notre Dame, and I think November. So that could be one. But I, I just, I just don't see three because I think the ACC sucks. Well, yeah, but they're going to beat they're going to beat each other up because it's a land of mediocrity. I mean, UNC almost lost to App or uh, was it App State? And then your NC NC State should have lost to East Carolina. Yeah. Well, well, I'll expand on that. I mean, you you know, you just said correctly, Lawrence. The pack the Pac twelve is dead. You just said, Gans, the ACC sucks. We we discussed last week, you know, the, the top of the SEC, and then it kind of falls off from there. So, I mean, what's going on in the country? I mean, is it is it Alabama, Georgia, and then everybody else? Yeah. Yeah, and so I'm going to build off that a little bit. I'm going to take a contrarian point real quick because I think it's really topical with the playoff expansion that was announced last week to 12 teams. And you said, Josh, that, you know, where are we going to find 12 teams to compete but I actually think if you look at the landscape now, like literally the season starts, there's two teams that are pretty much a lock for the playoff and maybe five teams that have a chance to get in at all. And I think maybe if you expand the playoffs, it, it allows uh, coaches and schools to have a better recruiting platform where maybe they can we can get a little bit more parity in college football. Um, I mean, I don't know if the NIL is going to help long term. Like, does it give a shot to, you know, the, the Mets of college football now? <laughs> um, but I think that the expansion, it's going to be good because there's going to be playoff games that are going to be on campus. It's going to allow schools to highlight the fact that they made the playoffs. There's going to be a, a Cinderella story that makes a run into the final four and then gets smoked by, you know, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio state, or whoever it may be. Uh, but I, I'm all for the, uh, the playoff expansion. I think it's going to be good television, even though it may kill the, uh, the conference championship games. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Jason? Well, that'd be interesting to see that play, how that plays out. I mean, I'd be shocked this year if it's not Georgia. We talked about this before. If it's not Georgia, Alabama, pick someone from the Big Ten, probably Ohio State, but maybe Michigan. I mean, and then, you know, where do you get your fourth, all right? I mean, nobody loves Clemson. Does USC sneak in? Uh, does an Oklahoma or, or – I mean, Texas, I suspect, gets absolutely yoked this weekend – um, so I, you know, I don't even know where the fourth comes, right? So I thought we're getting a- Dan, Dan Mullen today had his, uh, updated playoff projections. You know what they were? Did no. you see it? Uh, 
Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan. Yeah, I mean, so so I hear what you're saying, Lawrence, about the 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 twelve team expansion. And trust me, when when it's two versus eleven in Athens, we're gonna go and have a freaking amazing time. So I get it. But watching the number three team in the country, granted it is preseason rankings, play the eleven team and win in the manner that they did, like are, are we looking for a whole host of those kind of really uncompetitive games just for the sake of? I mean, the semifinals historically have been blowouts anyway. Agreed. Agreed. So why so why make two more rounds of those blowouts? I guess is my question. But it's all about the money, baby. Benjamins, right? And they they, yeah. they 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 want more games. And like like we've said, I mean, getting it on campus is awesome. More more good games to go to in Athens. I'm for. So for, I guess for those reasons, I guess I'm in. Yeah, it's gonna end with four SEC schools. You'll end up with like three Big Ten schools, and then you know you'll just throw some others. Notre Dame will be in every year. You know, it'll, it'll be some sort of smattering of, of everybody else. A couple, you know, USC. I just, BYU will be yeah, in there. <laughs> like with, with, we talked about this a little bit last week, both Lincoln Riley, you know, in, in California. There's no reason that that program shouldn't be good. I mean, they've got money for NIL. They've got hit. They've got recruiting there, you know. Uh, and they've got a soft Pac-12. So, they should be good. I don't know if it'll be this year, but I, I suspect that he'll turn that program into a perennial top ten. So they'll they'll be in there every year as well. They play Stanford. Larry, how'd your gambling how'd your gambling do this weekend? Um, so I you know, I've I've kind of limited my game by game gambling. I do a pool that has like 105 entries. You you pick uh, against the spread about 30 games. First week obviously is all college. Second week is half college, half NFL. Um, I had a pretty good week. Um, I was very happy with nailing the Georgia game um, as my uh, suck, sucker bet of the week. Uh, but I did. I had my sure thing, and I did not go with Georgia. I picked Illinois on Friday night as my sure thing, plus three. And that's a game that they should have won by a touchdown, and they, they pushed that's Indiana. How, little, like, where, how are you coming up with uh, – are you, are you following some guy on Twitter that like good effects there? It was a bad decision. You know, I was down between Georgia, Alabama, and then this Indiana game because there was a lot of – there was a line, a big line movement. My line would held solid at plus three. I think it was like a pick em by kickoff. Um, so I felt good about it, but it was a push. I was unhappy with that, um, which brings me to my sucker bet of this week. Gans, you're going to love yeah. this one. I'm going to take Texas plus, plus the 20s. I'll take this. Yeah. All right, explain explain why. There's got to be a rationale. Because everybody thinks Bama's going to beat I'll, them by I'll take the 40. other side of that. Well, you and I put a little friendly with you. <laughs> they, they are going to. So It's my sucker bet. Go against the public pick so of the week. They are playing. And I, I used to know all the conference uh, TV affiliations, and they've changed significantly over the past couple of years. And now, you know, people are moving conferences. So I don't know them as well as I used to anymore. But they've got the big noon kickoff on Fox, which is 11 a.m. Central Time, which could not be worse for Texas, right? You've got Alabama coming in town. You want that as a night game. You want the students liquored up. You want Daryl rocking. Not going to happen. Bama's going to walk in. It's a business trip. They're going to smoke them. In fact, like you and I might get in in the second half. There, there's going to be players you've never heard of in the second half. Yeah, like twenty. Like the line should be way more than twenty. No. Yeah, I don't, I don't know where. Well, I mean, but I guess you could look. What is it? What is it currently? Twenty. The last time I, you could look back and say the Georgia Oregon line should have been way more than sixteen and a half or seven. I don't think. I don't think that Texas has a chance of, of keeping this thing close. And that's why Texas is my sucker play of the week. So I was th- for some reason when those when I, when I heard those two teams matching up, I, I immediately went back to I guess it was like 2009 or 10 or 11 when they played for the national championship, 
That was when Colt McCoy yeah. was was the Colt McCoy when he got knocked out first play of the game. Out and Blama, Bama blew the door. But like, think about in the last decade since then the the trajectories of those two schools. Yes, right. I mean, Alabama's in a whole other world, and Texas has just been in the can. There's no reason Texas shouldn't be good, right? It's the flagship university. With all due respect to the Mets of college football, it's the flagship university of the, the state of Texas, which is one of the biggest, you know, high school and college and professional football state series. And I've asked people this in Texas. I go to Texas often. What the hell is the matter? And the answer I get every single time is politics. They're warring factions within, you know, literally politics at, at the, the state level, but all the way down to the athletic department. And and uh, they just can't get their stuff together. And there's too much infighting. And, and it has crippled, really crippled the program. Sarkeesian's a good coach. I expected good things out of him. But, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe he's like uh, like a must champ, right? Who's, who's a coordinator than he is you know the, the big guy and um so we'll see but doesn't that doesn't that sound kind of similar though like under mark rick's tenure in athens that, that no one was really aligned and mark rick didn't really take that you know that alpha male role yep. where kirby came in and said if you want me as head coach here's what we're doing here's what we need to spend here's where we're going to run the program and this is what i need to be successful in regards to updating the facilities you know, building, you know, building an indoor practice facility, indoor, a new weight room, new meal plan, expanding the, the coach's budget, the assistant coaching budgets, all those things. So I think that's dependent on the coach CEO uh, to come in and say, you want us to win? Let me run. Let me run the program. How I want to run yeah, the program. it is. And, but I think it's even more right with Texas. And like some of the examples I've heard is that you're just. So, you know, one faction like Sarkeesian and Sarkeesian's their guy and, and they get him. Well, the other, you know, board of trustee or big donors don't like him and they're actively trying to undermine him and not give him those things that he needs. And, and you know, at the first drop of, of some sort of screw up, you know, look to cut the guy's legs out. And apparently that's just been going on really since Mac Brown was there. Right. And uh, and so they're just a big old dumpster fire. And then you've got the. Well, they got Arch Manning coming in to save the day, well, right? But that, that's that's the next thing I was going to say is you got this Quinn Ewers kid who's the number one recruit, right, a year ago, whatever, and he's starting. So what's going to happen there, right? And and look, I, I the Mannings have been great, right? They're they're like you know, legends. Is will Arch be able to live up to that sort of legacy? So we'll see. Well, boys, this was fun. Did a little did a little recap. Did a little uh, talking dogs. Anything else we need to hit before yeah. we sign off and say, let's try to do it again next Quick week? Quick projection for this weekend? What, what about a, a dogs prediction and one other game prediction? So the dogs line is what, 50? Is there a line? I think I said 52. 52. It's 52. Yeah. It's one of these things where, I mean, like Lawrence said, they pitched a perfect game, essentially. Yep. I'm a baseball guy, a perfect game this week, seven for seven touchdowns. The last mop up, of course, they, they didn't do it. But how many possessions are they going to get? Well, about the same. I'll, I'll take a shot. I'll give you fifty nine six dogs, and I'll give you since we're talking Alabama, Texas. I give you forty five seventeen UT. Oh, I'm sorry, forty five seventeen Alabama, Alabama. <laughs> ballsy, ballsy pick. Um, I so I think uh, I think in Athens this weekend you're going to see a heavy dose of the run game. Um, I think everybody will play. I think if we were to actually go to the game, unfortunately, I can't go because I've got kids soccer again. Uh, but I think uh, they may be pulling people out of Section 117 to suit up and throw passes or hand the ball off towards the end of the game. I see something like, yeah, 52 to 6. Um, you know, a big, We're going to hang a big number in the starters will be resting by halftime. 
Um, and let's go. So for Alabama, Texas, I'm going to say 42 to 42 to 24. Got to get Bama. that. Yeah, do your math. And make sure you keep it under 20. It's going to be that backdoor cover to get to get it in under the number. Yeah. So I don't I don't see Sanford scoring. I think that that Kirby. I mean, did you see him yelling at the guys with like 15 seconds left? I mean, I think I think he's 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 on a mission to keep these points off the board. I think they throw a shutout. I think it's somewhere between 45 and 55. I think the line is probably right, depending upon, um, you know, how many possessions they get. I'll go Georgia 55, Sanford zero, and I'm going to go Alabama in the 50s, and I'm going to go Texas in the teens. I think they blow them out. I think they're they're going to try to make a statement too. They look Saban does not like Georgia getting the the, the press they're getting right now, and he wants to make his the rat poison. The he rat wants poison. To make his 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 presence known next week. So I say. I'll say 55 as well for Alabama and 17 for Texas. I see a recurring, recurring theme of me and Gans being smart and, and, and Lawrence trying to be cute, and we're always on the side of right. Yeah. <laughs> and he's going to be going on an island trying to uh, hey, you know, be the Hey, I, I, listen, I, I nailed, I nailed the, uh, the pick for the dogs last week yeah. in terms of the points. Yeah. So you I'll have take to like that. the sucker that go like, If this guy goes – it's like, remember Princess Bride with the poison? It's like, did I put it in this cup or that cup or this cup or that cup? <laughs> Don't you know? Never, never to mess with a Sicilian when death is on the line. Uh, I will say one last thing: uh, Malachi Starks, that dude is a ball player. He had that one crazy pick, and he should have had another one um, on the field goal drive. It kind of went through his hands at the very end. Uh, that dude's a baller. My last thing I'm going to say is: is Gans, I know you're headed to Napa this weekend. Please do us proud. Do Dog Nation proud. Call the dogs. Find Brock Bowers. Do it all you can. And uh, we'll look forward to your recap next week when you get back. Yeah, I'll loop you guys in from a tasting. Yes, yes. Tell tell our girls hello. All right, right, guys. Good times. Talk to you all later. Signing off. Everybody, thanks for listening. Hope you all enjoyed it. We'll try to do this every week. As always, keep chopping. Later. Good night.